Welcome to the Solo 2.0 podcast, where two sisters, Jess and Rye, focused on health and hormone balance to help you step into that 2.0 version of you. Growing up, we heard all about hormones, sometimes more than we wanted, from our mom, who is a hormone health educator. As we got older, we rebelled and experienced our own health struggles and ups and downs. But today we have businesses helping people get in tune with their bodies, break free from restrictive eating and lifestyle habits, and learn how to balance their hormones naturally. So what can you expect from this podcast? Honest conversations and hot topics that should be more mainstream, like period health, cycle tracking, non-hormonal birth control, and our unique take on fad diets and trends that aren't always so supportive for women. Plus, interviews with health and wellness entrepreneurs making a big impact in the world. Ladies, it's time we align with our powers and redefine what healthy means to us. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Solo 2.0 podcast, everyone. Today, you just have me. It's Jess, holistic health coach and founder of Body Blessed by Jess. And I'm riding solo without my co-host and my sis, Rye. But I'm really looking forward to sharing this conversation with all of you because our guest, Courtney Swan, who is a food activist on a mission to change America's broken food system, is not only a friend of mine, but she's just one of those women who knows her shit and is so lit up about educating and making changes in the world that it's really just such a great energy to be around. This episode was a little bit longer because not only is it jam-packed with what I would consider to be mic drop moments and things that you're going to want to come back to, trust me, but it was just a really fun one to record. And it's pretty clear that she and I could talk about this stuff all night until the sun comes up. So I'm going to give you the lowdown on Courtney real quick, and then we will jump right into it. So she is an integrative nutritionist and real foodist on a mission to change the way America eats. She received her master's of science in nutrition and integrative health from Maryland University of Integrative Health and built a following on social media, Real Foodology, where she posts daily about the real food and organic movement. She also has an amazing podcast called Real Foodology, and she mentions um, a specific episode in this podcast recording that I think you're really going to want to tune into. Uh, our mom, Candace, who's a hormone health educator, was also a guest on her podcast twice. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, but anyway, in this conversation, she and I talk a lot about the issue with following fad diets and trends, which is something neither of us believe in or subscribe to. And then the importance of really honing in and figuring out what works for you, free from comparisons, guilt, and shame. We also get into some of the dirty practices of the food industry, which are pretty shocking, honestly, and her thoughts on things like faux meats and cheeses and oat milk, which I know is really popular right now, and how to read labels at the grocery store, and then also eat on on a budget while still enjoying nutrient-rich and delicious foods. We actually cover a lot in this time, so I'm going to cut to the chase and just let you listen and get all the juiciness. Hope you enjoy. Hey, girl. Hey, welcome to the pod. Hi. So good to see you. Well, you know, via Zoom. (laughs) Seriously, uh, Courtney and I have been trying to hang out for quite some time, but we had, you know, a little blimp like this giant pandemic and haven't been able to make it happen. So I'm glad that we are doing it podcast style and then hopefully we can hang out in the near future. But I know that we're going to have so much to talk about. So I'm really glad that we were doing it this way to start. Yeah, me too. So happy to finally be connected. Yay. Okay. So 
First and foremost, just before we get started, I do want to encourage everybody to go over to your Instagram, Real Foodology, give you a follow. I do, in the intro, I do talk about your, um, a little bit about your uh, backstory, your bio. So we won't go as much into that right now, but I do want people to follow you because I think that's a really great way to get a sense for the passion that oozes out of you when it comes to explaining the truths behind the food industry and sharing a lot of tangible tips and tools and even recipes for helping people become their own advocates, which I am all about. Rye, my sister, who's usually here with me, we talk about this all the time, the importance of being your own advocate. And unfortunately, you know, we have to a lot more in this country because of the way that things are. Um, But I wanted to start by asking you, where did this fire come from? Because I know that we all, all of us, for the most part, that work in the wellness industry have our why for getting into it. And usually it's not money. And so I would just love to know yours. Like, what is your why and where did this fire come from? Yeah. So my story is actually a little bit backwards than a lot of people that are in the health and wellness world that I find. Cause I, I feel like a lot of people start out um, really sick and then they kind of get exhausted by trying every single modality to try to heal themselves. So mine was actually kind of the opposite. So when I was a kid, my mom has always been really healthy. My mom lived in Boulder for a long time. And so she knew all about organic and natural food. Same and this was mine. Oh my God. Wait, that's, yeah. our mom would, our moms would be great friends then. Yeah, I bet they would. <laughs> yeah. And so I was that kid growing up that had all the, the off-brand cereals that were from the natural food grocery store. And this was before we even had whole foods. It was something called sun market. And you know, at the time as a kid, I didn't understand how amazing that was. I was seeing all my friends around me getting Burger King, McDonald's, you know, for lunch and dinner. And I would throw these fits. And my mom loves to remind me of this now. Cause she's like, aren't you glad now that I wasn't feeding you McDonald's as a kid? Like all your friends, <laughs> she loves to throw that in my face <laughs> kindly, but she's like, yeah, you know, Hold yourself. exactly. So then fast forward to me going to college and I go wild. I mean, you know, the binge drinking, like every college kid does, but then also the fourth meal at Taco Bell, eating all these fast food places that I had never really eaten when I was in high school and and younger. Cause my mom used to cook every meal for scratch from scratch, by the way. Wow. So fast forward a couple of years into college, I had gained some weight. I did not feel good in my body. I was fatigued. Uh, I had brain fog. I had such horrible heartburn during this time that I thought that there was something like literally wrong with my esophagus. We actually had to do a, um, I'm forgetting the name of it now where they put a scope down your throat Mm -hmm. because we could not get to the bottom of, of what was going on with my heartburn. Well, turns out I was just eating such an inflammatory diet. And this is when I started to make the connection between what I put in my body and how I felt. And it was funny because I had such a stark difference of, you know, growing up feeling really good. I was never really sick. I was never that kid that was sick. I never had really like any issues growing up. And so then going to college and having this and being able to look back and be like, wow, what is the common denominator here? Oh, it was the food. My mom was feeding me really well. And around that same time, I, my last class of uh, my last year in college for my undergrad, I took a nutrition course and I was like, why did I not take this sooner? Cause that really sparked a passion in me. And then from there, I just started following the works of all these amazing health experts like Michael Pollan and Dr. Mark Hyman. And I started reading all these books and I just could not read enough about health and wellness. And then I hit a certain point where 
I decided to quit the job that I was working at the time. I was working in music. It was such a different career path at that point. I quit. I went back to school and I got my master's of science and nutrition and integrative health. And then everything just kind of started from there. That's amazing. I didn't know that you, I don't think I knew that you worked in the music industry, which is, I mean, I've never worked in the music industry, but I can imagine that that was also high stress. It was very high stress. I was also on the tour, on the touring side. So I was living out of a suitcase, eh, like 10 months out of the year, basically. Wow. And we were well, living either on tour buses or in hotels, flights every single day. It was a lot on the body. Yeah. And I mean, that also plays a role in your food choices and your sleep quality. And just, I mean, when you're on the road that much as you can try and eat as healthy as you want, but it's still really hard to maintain that balance. And so I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure your, your education and just your passion for it at that time really helped. Um, was there anything that you did do? I mean, just like as a little side being in the music industry and at this point caring a lot about nutrition, how did you sort of take care of yourself? Cause I know a lot of our listeners have full-time, you know, corporate jobs or, really crazy careers that are super demanding and it's not always possible to, um, you know, change fields and, and have, um, a more relaxed schedule to be able to make more time for cooking and self-care and all of that. So in your experience, what were some of the things that helped you? Well, that experience was a little bit different and I'm trying to think of how I can apply that to maybe someone that's working in a more like corporate setting. So for me, um, what was hard is that I was in a different city every single day. So I never really knew consistently what kind of healthy food I could get. I had a couple of options. I always knew that I could go to Chipotle and get a pretty healthy meal there. Um, Panera at the time wasn't as bad. I don't really consider Panera to be that great now because of all the like additives and stuff that they use. But anyways, um, actually my biggest thing was I would seek out whole foods in any major city that we were in. I always knew that I could find a whole foods and get like salad bar or something like that. It's actually funny. One of the bands that I worked for, um, their fans were so dedicated to this band that they all started following like all of us on Instagram and they all knew how much I loved whole foods and their fans would bring me whole foods gift cards. It was, Oh so my gosh, sweet. that's so oh my cool. Gosh. It was, it like touched my heart. It was so sweet. They would bring me little gift cards and be like, we know you love whole foods. Like here's a gift card to go get like a salad at the salad bar or whatever. It was so kind. And so that was a lot of what I did is I would seek out certain places that I knew that I could get healthy food. And then I would buy a lot of groceries and just leave them on the tour bus. So I imagine like someone working in an office, you could buy your groceries and put them in your fridge at work or like bring your meals and keep those in the fridge. That kind of stuff really helped me. And then, you know, as I started um, you know, I worked in music for 10 years. So as I like worked up the ladder, I worked for third eye blind. The last woman I worked for was Tovlo. Oh, and wow. so at that point I was at a place where, um, I could exert a little bit more of, um, my needs. And especially with Tove, like part of my job was helping to keep her healthy. And so mm -hmm. I would literally get up every morning, find a juicy or juicy, a juice or smoothie <laughs> bar to get her like a smoothie, a green juice, whatever it is. And then my sole job that day was to find like healthy food for her. And so I would literally Google, um, organic vegetarian grass fed meat or whatever in Google maps around me. And I would find restaurants based on those keywords. That is so cool. And, you know, I think it's, I think there's a lot of us out there before, you know, getting into this industry or even that don't plan to that you know, have this passion or start to change their diet and see um, physical, mental changes in their body and then become 
really empowered to help the people around them. And I think that's really cool. Just leading by example and getting that, uh, feedback, feedback from other people and seeing how they're able to change their lives. And I think that that just feels, it feels really good, not only to help yourself to feel better, but to help those around you. Um, so that's, that's awesome. I love that. So then once you got your degree, did you know what you wanted to do with it or where you were going to go with it? Did you want to be a health coach? Like what, how did you start out? So I actually originally started on the RD track. Um, I, when I went back, so I had gotten my undergrad in communication, so I didn't have any of the science classes I needed. So the first two years, uh, was just me making up all the science prerequisites, basically like chem one, chem two, biochem, anatomy, and physiology. And, and then at that point, um, I started taking the nutrition courses in order to do the RD program around that same time. I was very, very into, uh, I'm, I, I like to take an integrative holistic approach. And I feel like I needed to explain that for people, because I think there's a lot of stigma around that. Um, I believe in Western medicine. I believe there's a time and place for prescription drugs. I think we wouldn't be here without certain things like antibiotics, et cetera. So I am not dismissing those, but why I like the integrative approach is because it still takes an evidence-based scientific look at the body, but you try to treat everything else. You try to basically check off every other box in your life before going to the more extreme interventions like surgery and drugs. Mm -hmm. So, because a lot of times you can, you can often, um, get to the root cause by addressing your sleep, addressing your diet, addressing exercise habits, lifestyle habits, um, even, even your social life has an impact on, you know, your mental health and then your overall well-being. And so when I was doing this RD program, I didn't like what I was learning about the connection with the dietetics program and the big food funding. And this is actually kind of when I started to really understand what direction I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Because initially when I first got into all this, I thought I wanted to open my own practice. I would have clients and I wanted to help people one-on-one. But as I started unraveling what goes on in our food industry and how much collusion and funding is involved, and it really skews the overall health uh, mentality and the health, the public health messaging. When I started understanding that, um, I didn't want to go down the dietetic route. Now, I want to be very careful saying this. I'm not trying to like talk badly of it. I think registered dietitians are amazing. It's an amazing program. I have so many friends that are registered dietitians. It just, for me personally, was not the path that I wanted to take. And so I ended up, uh, I left that program. My dad was so mad at me. Um, and I, (laughs) I took a year off because I was in this weird position where I wanted, uh, an integrative holistic, uh, like teaching, but there weren't a lot of great schools back then for that. And so I took a year off. I really dug into everything because I wanted very science-based nutrition education. And I wanted it to be like legit. I wasn't just going to do like a coaching certificate online. I was like, if I'm actually going to help people with their bodies and with their health, I need to really understand the workings of the body and like know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I landed on Maryland university of integrative health. And then I did my master's program there. And like I said, you know, during the same time I was reading books of, you know, Michael Pollan and Mark Hyman. And I was really starting to understand the inner workings of our food industry and just how deceptive big food and big agriculture are with the public. And we make 
eating healthy in this country so incredibly confusing. And so the more I started unraveling all of this, and I really started to understand the inner workings of it, I just became so passionate about it that I decided that this was going to be my path. I wanted to continue on, get my master's so that I knew what I was talking about. And then I wanted to start tackling the food industry. So how did you do that? Well, it started with my Instagram. Um, Actually, no, it actually started before that. So when I was in um, Austin doing all my prerequisites, I started a blog. Um, So this was 11 years ago. And it was just at the time, it was like recipes. I was kind of posting about things that I was learning about, you know, various things I was learning about in the food industry and whatnot. And then it over time morphed into my Instagram. This is when Instagram started getting really big. And then I just started speaking out on my Instagram all the time. And it really started with my Instagram. Um, I started becoming incredibly outspoken about all of this. And then it morphed into my podcast. So now I have my podcast that I've been doing for the last couple of years where I spend the majority of my time speaking to experts and trying to help people navigate the confusion of all of this and unravel um, to help them, them understand really what's going on. Yeah, because it is extremely overwhelming. And I think that there's a lot of shaming that happens. There's a lot of, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording of like opinions about, you know, you should eat carnivore, you should eat paleo, or you should eat vegan. And that's the only way to do it. There's only one way to, you know, live your life. And if that were true, we would all be eating the same way. Um, but we really do have to become our own, I always say compassionate detectives and start to not only learn how to read labels, but question when, you know, something is, I guess, spoken out to us, you know, we have to question, is this actually healthy for me? Is this something that I want to ingest into my body? Why am I doing it? How do I want to feel afterwards? You know, just because it says organic and healthy on the label, is it really? And, and that can be really overwhelming, especially for people who maybe do come from a history of yo-yo dieting, like I did for 12 years, or maybe grew up in a household where they really only ate processed food, or that was all they could afford, or lived in a food desert. You know, everybody's coming from a different history and different walks of life. And so to be then told that there's, you know, this one specific way of doing things or that you have to be so rigid, otherwise you're not going to see progress. I think for a lot of people, they start to get um, discouraged. And so, you know, and I'm sure that you, that you experienced that um, with the people that you've worked with and just doing this research. So I want to get into some of the dirty secrets behind the food industry, but I'd also love to kind of know your opinion about how do we navigate, um, you know, all of this confusion and hone into our own bodies and figure out what does work for us. How do we care about what we're putting in our body, but also not obsess and become, you know, to the other extreme, someone who's trying a new diet every week. So first of all, I want to address what you said before. So I like to remind everyone this because we do really live in a shame-based society. And I think when sometimes when people are presented with, with facts that uh, may maybe be contradictory to how they've lived their life previously, they, people tend to take it on as if um, they're doing something wrong or that the person delivering the message is shaming them for it. And I want to be very clear that what we are doing the best that we can with the information that we have at that time. 
And I like to remind people of this because I never want anyone to feel ashamed or that I am saying that, you know, it's bad if you're doing X, Y, and Z, it's very important to know and to have that compassion for yourself. You know, we do better once we know better and that's how we grow and that's how we evolve. And so that is, I like to bring that up. And then also I tell everyone this, if there is someone that you're following online or reading their books or whatever it is, and they're telling you that this is the only way to be healthy. And they're like, it's this way or the highway run because yeah. there it's just not true. We are so bio-individual that what works for me may not work for you and vice versa. People have different genetic makeup, different genetic mutations that may cause different foods to be bioavailable for some and not for others. There are so many different factors. If a woman is breastfeeding, she's going to have different caloric needs than, you know, an old, in, a woman in her sixties. It's so different across the board that you really have to take, um, take everything with a grain of salt. So listen to these experts, listen to what people have to say, and then take what works for you and then leave the rest, you know, and the thing is that I think everyone's looking for this quick fix and for someone to hold their hand and just say, just do X, Y, and Z, and then you're going to be healthy. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it just doesn't work that way. We have to, you kind of treat your body like a science experiment a little bit. You try a little bit of this. If that doesn't work, you try a little bit of that, you know, bring this in, take this out and then check in with yourself, you know, be like, do I feel good when I eat this food? Is this working for me? Do I have more energy? I tell a lot of people, if you're starting to incorporate a different diet or different foods in your body or in your, in your everyday life, keep a journal and write down the days like, okay, I ate eggs today. And then I got really sick. Like I got really sick to my stomach. I had upset stomach or, you know, I ate rice and it upset me or whatever it is. That way you can look back and you can start kind of seeing a pattern Yes, and that will help people understand what works best for them. Because again, you can be following someone. I mean, all, we have all extremes of the spectrum online. You know, we have people that are like paleo or is the only way keto is the only way, you know, there's some people that are carnivore and all they do is eat meat. And then there are other people that are vegan and they will not touch any animal product. And everyone has, um, their own bias. They have their own reasoning for why they believe that this is the best thing. And you know what? It may be the best thing for them, but it may not be the best thing for you. So try it out. I always encourage people. I'm like, try it out. But if you ever, ever get to a place where um, it's affecting you mentally, where you are so obsessed with food, you're constantly counting calories, um, you're missing social events because you because they don't have paleo food there or whatever it is, that's when it's time to probably readdress the whole the whole makeup of the diet and um, try to figure out what works best for you in your lifestyle. Yeah. I love that advice. It's a lot of it is drowning out the noise to me. You know, yes. it's what you're saying. It's listening to podcasts. It's reading books. It is very important to educate yourself and to absorb and to be a bit of a sponge, but at the same time to then say, okay, I've listened to this, this, this little nugget stood out to me and was interesting. This other little nugget was kind of interesting to me. Maybe you only take away one or two things from a book or one or two things from a podcast. And that's great. And then you go. And just like you said, you treat yourself like in a science experiment and you try it out. And then you really take that time to check in over the coming days and weeks and months and see, you know, and get really honest with yourself. And that's one thing that I always uh, encourage my clients to do is to start what I call honest eating, because I think we're 
we don't eat honestly. A lot of the time we eat based on what we've been told we should, you know, like based on the new fad diet that says that we're going to lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Um, or we eat because we've been conditioned a certain way. Um, you know, if we, if we take a step back and we look at our breakfast, I always like to ask people, are you eating that breakfast? Because it's something that you actually truly enjoy, or is it because you've been told you should eat it, or you saw this influencer who has great abs eat it, or maybe you've just been eating it for the last five years and you've just gotten used to it. But when you really think about it, it's like, actually it's kind of boring. Like I don't, you know, I'm craving sweets an hour afterwards. And so I always say, you know, check in before you make a meal and ask yourself, how is it that I want to feel physically and emotionally after I eat this food? You know, physically, what kind of energy levels do I want to have? I probably want to have great digestion. I don't want to feel bloated. Emotionally, I want to feel satisfied. I want to feel happy. I don't want to feel guilty. And then choose a food to make or order that you feel is going to satisfy all of that. And then afterwards, check in and say like, okay, did this make me feel the way I wanted to feel? If not, how can I revise and like go back to the drawing board next time and make something else that will? Yeah. And, and I want to add on to this too, because I think when, when people put a label on their diet, it tends to kind of become their identity. Like think about how many people, I mean, think about that joke, right. Where it's like, everyone knows that vegan friend. I mean, there's a joke about vegans where it's like, how do you know someone's vegan? Oh, they will tell you. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way. This is not to sing a lot vegans. It's the same way with like paleo people, people or keto people or yeah. carnivore people. It's like, oh, they will tell you. And I think we're, we're so quick to make these diets, our, our identity. And I can speak to this because I did this. I was vegetarian for five years. It was my identity. I was like telling my parents, my kids are going to be vegetarian and all this stuff. And the only thing that I don't like about that, and you can apply this to any diet. This is not to single out vegans or vegetarians in general, but I speak about this a lot on my Instagram right now, because there is this massive push for everyone to go vegetarian and vegan, and this is not going to work for everyone. And what happens, and this happened to me, I was so far down the line five years in, and everyone was telling me, oh, you're just not vegan enough. I was so sick. Mm-hmm. I was crying in nutritionist office, just being like, what do I do? I had horrible cystic acne. I had fatigue. I was starving. I was, ca- I was eating 24 seven. Like there were just all these signs that it was not working for me. And the second I started eating meat again, it was like, oh, Like my body needed it and I felt better afterwards, but I was convincing myself that I was not vegetarian enough. And my point in all of this is just for people to listen to their bodies, like cancel out all the noise, like you said, and check in with yourself and be honest with yourself. Is this really working for me? Am I thriving? Because the whole point is you want to thrive. You want to have energy to do the things you want to do every day. You want to feel good. You want to wake up and jump out of bed. And you can do that if you're eating the right diet that helps you thrive. Totally. And, and I do think on that note that when you identify yourself as something, if you veer away from it and maybe you have an oyster when you're vegan, or you have like some bone broth or collagen or whatever, you feel like you have to hide it. You feel guilty. Um, or, you know, maybe you you say that you're carnivore and and you end up, you know, eating a plant-based diet one day and you feel terrible about it. And you feel like you can't show up on Instagram and ever take a photo of that food or be honest about it because people are going to judge you. And to be honest, there is quite a lot of judgment within those communities that are pretty strict. And it's like, you know, oh, well, 
you must not be that if you would, if you order, you know, if you went on vacation and ordered at a fast food place, like you are not like a plant-based, you know, eater. And so that shame and that guilt that lives inside of you and that manifests as a lot of health issues, you know, that's a lot of stress that you're holding on to. And that can manifest as breakouts that can manifest as gut issues, hormone imbalances, sleep problems, um, low self-esteem, just not having, uh, self-trust, not trusting yourself. And I think that's one thing that we do lose a lot. And I know that I've lost that in my past with all the yo-yo dieting is like, I didn't trust myself to make any choices on my own. It was like, I had to have someone else tell me what to do. And if I veered away from that diet that I was on, I felt like a failure. And I felt like I couldn't talk about it with anybody because they either wouldn't understand or I'd be judged for it. Or if I put on weight, it's like, oh, well, clearly like that diet's not working for her. And, you know, or if you decide actually I've been, you know, a carnivore for 10 years or I've been plant-based for 10 years and I don't feel good. And I want to try something else. Like you should be able to do that. It's your body. It's your vessel that carries you through life. And you should be able to make the decision that feels best for you. So I think the fact that you're empowering people to get more in tune with their own bodies and to touch base is in and of itself, just such a beautiful service that you're providing people because we are so far away and we need to come back home. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So, so happy that we talked about that because I think it's just, we could have like a whole hour long podcast just on that alone at the same time, as I know both you and I are about tuning into your own body, making the choice that's best for you. We also are very much about educating yourself and understanding what you are putting in your body, because unfortunately the food industry isn't doing it for us. And so part of finding foods that work for you is understanding what's in them and why they're working for you and maybe why they aren't working for you, why certain foods are causing you to feel you know, bloated and look six months pregnant every time you eat it or to be terrified um, of ordering something out because of the stomachache you'll experience after the acid reflux. So can you talk about sort of some of the most shocking, dirty secrets that you've uncovered um, when it comes to the food industry and help us understand why it's so important that we do learn what's in the food that we're eating and how to read labels? Yeah, well, I'll start out by saying, I think there's a common misconception that that we would not allow certain things in our food. I think people think if it's on the shelves, they think that it's safe and okay for us to eat. And unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. So we have a lot of lobbying happening happening in Washington. And also our food is just not as regulated as people think. Um, our USDA and our FDA, you can look this up, have both admitted that they can't even keep up. You know, like they don't, they don't even have all of the manpower to keep up with all of the food that's constantly being put on the shelves. And so unfortunately that is put on the consumer that now we have to become detectives and understand what these ingredients are. And then another thing that you really have to understand is that unfortunately companies do not care about your health. They are not making these foods to better your health for the most part. If you're buying these like organic, um, 
pasture-raised eggs from a, a family farm, those people are very, they very much care about what they're putting in their food. But if you're just buying, you know, Wonder Bread off the shelf, I mean, that is a massive corporation and all they see is dollar signs. Mm -hmm. They are not making these foods with your health in mind. What they are thinking about is how can we make this the cheapest possible so we can make the most money? What ingredients can we put in here so that it can sit on the shelf for long periods of time? Because the longer it can stay on the shelf, the more money they make. Um, and then the other thing is they want to make it so highly addictive and so highly palatable that you can't stop eating it. So we're creating food addicts out of these certain foods. I mean, think about, for example, Doritos, who can like not polish off a whole bag of those once they get opened. I mean, it's insane. I, yeah. I feel like I have pretty good self-control around food. Cause I just don't really eat that kind of stuff. And someone opened a bag of those around me. <laughs> recently. And I was like, Rawr. like, <laughs> yeah, it, like you can't, it, you feel like you can't even control yourself. And I want to remind everyone listening, this is not your fault. This is pure biology. This is not like uh, a failure on your part. This is not like you don't have enough willpower. These companies are literally creating these foods to be addictive. There's something called the bliss point, And it's this perfect mixture of fat, salt, and sugar that makes it so that it's addictive and it turns on certain lights in your brain. They've literally done scans of this and it lights up the same things that drugs do in our brains. So once people understand that, that's kind of where I start uh, knowing that is how I navigate the grocery store. So what I tell people is when you're shopping for food, first and foremost, you want to try to buy as much real whole food as possible. So what does that mean? If it was once alive, you can consider that real food. And that can be applied to animals, plants. Um, if it's something that your grandmother would recognize, that is real food. Now, if you're buying processed packaged foods, there are companies that are doing a better job now. And so I tell people, when you look at that back ingredient list, you can't look at the front. Companies are greenwashing everything now. They're saying it's natural and they're putting barns and, you know, cows and grassy <laughs> pastures trying to make you think that it came from a farm. But then you look at the back and you look at the ingredients. If you could technically buy every single one of those ingredients at the grocery store while you're standing there and make it at home, then it's fair game to buy. You don't have to, I'm not saying you have to make it, but if you could buy all those ingredients, then I say, buy it, it's fair game to buy. So that's kind of how you want to navigate, but you want to focus as much as possible on whole real foods, high quality meats. If you eat meat, you know, organic fruits and vegetables, if you can afford organic and we can talk about that if you want to. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. And I would love to talk about the, the organic, um, conversation because I do think that it is important, but also, you know, what are your thoughts on like using the clean 15 and dirty dozen lists and how could someone, you know, what do you think is the most important to prioritize organic and how, how would you go about that if you are working with a limited budget? Yeah. Okay. So I want to first start out first and foremost, the reason why it is more important than ever to go for organic is that we are using high, such high levels of pesticides and herbicides on our food now that it's in scary amounts. And these pesticides and herbicides are showing up in our water. They're showing up in everything now. I mean, they were, they literally did a test recently and um, there's one called glyphosate and it's showing up in all of our food across the board. And it's even showing up in mother's placenta. Now mm -hmm. glyphosate 
itself is very concerning. It's also known as Roundup, and it's an herbicide that the World Health Organization has classified as a probable human carcinogen, which means that it probably causes cancer. The company that makes it, are they are being sued by the billions right now because of the amount of cancer that all of these farmers using that herbicide are now, uh, are now dealing with. And I want to say this too, this is a, a human's, a, a civil rights issue as well, because by supporting organic, you're actually supporting the farmers and all the, the farm hands that are out in the fields every day dealing with all these chemicals. And I want to be clear because people fight me on this all the time online. I'm not saying that organic doesn't use any herbicides or pesticides, but there's a very strict number of pesticides and herbicides that you can use when you are farming organically. And if you go to farmer's markets, there are a lot of farmers that you can ask, and I do this every week, and I go and I ask them, do you use chemical fertilizers on your food? Not everyone that is basically growing organic is certified organic because it's really expensive to get the certification. So if you can even just go to your farmer's market and develop a relationship with the farmers that are growing your food and know that they are doing their best, because there's a lot of other things that they can do um, without using all these chemical pesticides and fertilizers. So now that we know all of that, that is a really big concern. And this is why you really want to be diligent about organic if you can. And I like to meet people where they are. I understand everyone has varying budgets. COVID more than anything, this pandemic has hit people harder than ever. Um, there are places that you can go that you can get organic fruits and vegetables for a pretty decent price if you don't have a farmer's market near you. But I would encourage people to Google and see if you can find a farmer's market near you. Places like Trader Joe's, Walmart, Target, Ralph's bonds, all these places are now carrying organic. And a trick that you can do is buy the, the white labeled stuff. Um, I know that Trader Joe's does this. I know, um, Vons and Ralph's does this where they have their own organics in-house and they're way cheaper. Hmm. I actually did a segment on my podcast with my producer. So we were, uh, basically tackling people's favorite fast food items. We did the cheesy gordita crunch. We did the half pounder or whatever it's called at McDonald's. And what we did is we bought a meal for four at all these different places, Taco Bell, McDonald's. And then we went and bought the same ingredients from a accessible grocery store. So like Avon's Ralph, something like that. Cause I wanted it to be accessible to everyone. Yeah. We bought everything organic across the board and made the same amount of food for cheaper. So this what? Is another, yeah, that's this is, like a mic drop moment. Like people need to listen to that because that's a huge misconception that, you know, eating healthy, eating nutritious foods has to be, has to break the bank. Oh, and we fully documented this. If people want to go and listen to this podcast, we went into detail. We literally wrote down every single thing that we bought and priced it out in everything. And every single time it was cheaper to buy organic than it was to buy at Taco Bell and McDonald's. That actually blew my mind because when we first set out to do this, we were like, like, hopefully we can do it, but it was cheaper by like four or $5 each time, which is wild. Wow. So like was it, just, was it like meat, cheese, bun, ketchup, mustard? And then we even did, um, like with the McDonald's thing, we also made French fries and we had Zevia sugar-free sodas. I love those. I know me too. They're so Oh my good. God. They're so good. I've gotten so many clients off of sodas, including my husband with Zevia. Um, so good. Like they have like a new creamy root beer one too. That's delish. Yeah. They're really um, good. yeah. Well, and I, and I think too, you know, with that conversation, a rebuttal could be, well, it's quick and it's convenient to get the one, you know, at McDonald's. So what yeah. would you say to that? 
Well, I would say that if you really want to prioritize your health, it, look at the end of the day, everyone has 24 hours. And I understand some people are working two to three jobs. I don't want to be insensitive to that, but you will make time for the things that are important to you. And so if that means that you are meal prepping at night, before you go to work in the morning, you're going to grocery store on Sunday before you have your week um, of work. Cause I will say I've been there. I was the brokest I've ever been in my entire life. When I graduated college, I was fresh out of college. I was working three jobs at one point. And this was right at the same time when I started getting really into health and what I would do personally. So I was prioritizing this and oh, it was so, it was hard. And so I, I want to sympathize with people because you have to make it a priority. Uh, what I would do, this is a trick that I did is I would walk to different grocery stores and get different things that I knew that I could get cheaper. So I would get certain things at Trader Joe's that I knew were cheaper there. And then there were certain things at like Walmart that I knew were cheaper. Mm -hmm. And you kind of like, if, if you're able to do that, that's one hack. Also another thing, people are spending so much money eating out, make your food at home and you will be blown away by how much money you save by just buying groceries at home. Truly. And how much better you feel just that in and of itself is like, just commit to, you know, two weeks of doing this from home instead. And again, check into your body and see how you feel. See if your energy levels improve, see if your digestion improves, see if your skin improves, see if you lose weight, if that's something that you want, you know, and because again, you have to be your own science experiment. You have to go through it yourself and try yourself to then be convinced and to have that fuel and that motivation behind you to want to continue doing it. And often when you experience those changes, there really is no going back, you know, and you realize you get in the habit, you create rituals, just like with everything else, you know, you made the time to drive across town to get that fast food. And sometimes, you know, if you have a family, I think we so rarely connect anymore because we are so busy and we're on our phones and our laptops and watching TV that taking, this is something my husband and I have been doing more recently, which I hate to say we hadn't done a lot in the past is taking 30, 40 minutes at the end of each day to make a quick meal together. And that's our time to catch up, to talk about how the day was, to play some chill music, to like create a vibe, light some candles. And it was something that my husband was pretty opposed to before because he just hates cooking. Um, he wanted to work until the last minute. And now he's like, Oh my gosh, I really look forward to our evenings because I feel like it sets the tone for, you know, it's like, okay, I'm done with work. And now I'm going into the evening it allows me to shut off my brain, distract myself and just really have that quality time with you and to wind down. So I think if you can create rituals around it, um, with your family, maybe that means that like you set out like a burger bar and all the kids are like, there's the toppings and they get to have, make their own toppings or a taco bar and you make it fun and you play like theme music or something. But I feel like that can, that. that can really help. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I know that you do cook a lot. I love that. And as you were talking, I thought of another idea. So this is something that I do a lot too, that is really budget friendly. So let's say you do that taco bar the night before, like, let's say you have taco Tuesday or whatever. Well, then the next day set aside some of that ground meat that you had from the night before and make like a taco salad the next day with the leftovers. Yes. So you don't feel like you're eating the exact same meal, but then you're, you, you're utilizing those leftovers that you're going to have most people, unless if you just have a massive family, but otherwise you can utilize those leftovers for your lunch the next day. And then boom, you have another meal and you've saved money. Yep. Yeah. It's like, cause I don't think that every, I, I truly 
am not the hugest fan of meal prep, like the kind of meal prep where it's like, take all day Sunday to put everything in. I'm just like, no, I want to have fun on Sundays. I want to spend half my day meal prepping. And I also don't know that that's what I'm going to feel like the whole week. And so I am a huge fan of what you're saying is just make double portions and then repurpose it instead of a taco bowl, do a taco salad. Um, you know, you could also, if you didn't season the ground beef with like Mexican seasonings, you could use that ground beef in marinara and do like a lentil pasta with marinara and the ground beef the next day. There's so many different, um, ways that you can reutilize that without feeling like you're eating the same meal over and over again. So like if you, yeah. I say for people listening, if you're really struggling to incorporate any of this, just start out by making dinner and then start experimenting with leftovers the next day. I feel like that's kind of the easiest thing you can do. Cause I'm very much like you. I went through a phase where I was meal prepping. And then I was like, I don't want to do this on Sundays anymore. Yeah. And I'm saying this to people that there there's a, there's a, another way you don't have to spend your whole Sunday meal prepping. There's also super simple meals. I mean, we live in a time where we have all the information at you know, the tip of our fingers, go online and literally Google super simple, easy meals in 20 minutes and just start getting ideas from that. That You don't have to make this whole, I think people get nervous that they have to make this whole elaborate thing. I mean, it could literally be just that you're scrambling eggs and buttering toast and, you know, frying up some bacon or whatever done. Totally. Totally. I'm not a recipe developer. I rarely follow recipes, but what I do do is I have these like five to 10 Instagram accounts where it's recipe block, not recipe, but like food bloggers that post really simple meals. Like you've done that a lot in the past too. And I'll save them to a collection. And then when I'm thinking about what I want to eat, I just go to that collection and just get inspiration. And I'm usually, usually saving meals that aren't a specific recipe. It's like a bowl with different components or, um, a place we have here in California is called Kava and it's like a build your own Mediterranean bowl. And it's actually pretty affordable and healthy for as far as fast food goes, but I've been, we've been doing our own every Sunday make our own at home kava bowls. And they're even more satisfying because we get to put exactly what we want into them. And so stuff like that, it's like, it doesn't have to be a recipe ever. It can just be, what would you order out at kava? Replicate that at home, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love these tips. So one thing I noticed that you posted about recently on Instagram was fake out healthy foods at Costco. And I was hoping you could share some of those because that'll help give people an idea of what you're looking for on the label and then maybe some healthier alternatives or yeah. like, I call them sexy swaps. So like some sexy Ooh, I love swaps. That. Um, okay. I'm trying to remember the things that I had picked up at Costco. Basically I just, I went there with a friend and I was bummed because I kept picking up these packages. So I mentioned this earlier that a lot of companies do this greenwashing where you look at the front of the package and you're like, Ooh, it's this organic and natural and clean and whatever. And they depict this, you know, image of health on the front. And there, I just started filming it because I would pick up something and be like, Oh, this looks good. And then turn it around and be like, damn it. Mm-hmm. Like there was one in particular. So there was this, uh, salad mix that was already like prepared and ready to go. And this is probably going to bum some people out because if you're trying to do on the go and be healthier, I'm sorry, but I have a little trick for you. Um, so I went and I was like, Ooh, it says organic. And then I turn it around. Your first red flag is when the ingredient list is super long. Yeah. Anytime it's really long, chances are, it's probably not going to be great for you. And it was so long. I was like, where is all this coming from? This is a salad. Like how it was 
crazy. It's like a chapter in a book. You're like yes. sitting there for 10 minutes. So like I needed it. like a magnifying glass. <laughs> I was like, this is insane. Um, things that you want to look out for seed oils. They are in everything now, canola, soybean, sunflower oil. The reason that you want to look out for these is because they are highly inflammatory. The problem is, is they are higher in omega-6s than they are in omega-3s. And in the body, you want a ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s, and you want the omega-3s to be higher in like a three to one ratio. And the problem is, is that we are being so inundated with these inflammatory oils that are higher in omega-6s that the majority of the population is in a chronic state of inflammation because they are consuming too many omega-6s and not enough omega-3s. Omega-3s reside um, most notoriously in like salmon, really good high quality fish. Um, So you can do that to offset it. But what I tell people is you want to avoid these oils as much as possible. I would encourage people to Google Uh, or or actually go on YouTube and type in how is canola oil made and watch that video, you will be horrified. I mean, it is, it's car engine oil. It does not belong in the human body. Um, Sunflower oil is pretty much the same thing. And so you want to avoid those. Um, So anything that has those kind of oils in it, I just put back on the shelf. You want to look for avocado oil or olive oil. I get this question all the time. People are like, well, what if I'm doing a recipe and it calls for canola oil? You can swap that out depending on what it is with either olive oil, avocado oil, or coconut oil. If it's a baked good, you probably don't want to use olive oil because you're going to get that olive oil taste, but coconut oil is great. Or you can also use avocado because it doesn't have any tastes, which is you know great for baking. So that's a great one. Another one I was really horrified was by salsa that had sugar in it. Yeah. When I posted this, so many people thought me, I was getting all these messages and people are like, it adds to the flavor and this and that I understand. But I think what people are missing and what, what people don't understand, we are just like seed oils. We are being so inundated with sugar left, right, center, up and down that yes, if the salsa with the sugar is literally the only thing you have that day with sugar in it, fine. I'm not super worried about that. What I don't like is by the time noon rolls around, the majority of the standard population in America has already eaten probably 50 grams of sugar because there is sugar in everything now, in our oatmeal, in our non-dairy milks, in our nut butters, um, in our bread. I'm trying to think of like any of the breakfast foods that you would already have all that sugar in. If people are drinking juice or breakfast cereal. Yogurt. Yep. Oh God, yogurt is one of the worst offenders. They put so much sugar in that. Even salad dressings. Like- Frozen oh. vegetables at Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's, but I've, I picked up a bag no of way. frozen vegetables and took it home and there was sugar in it. This is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. And this is why I'm just trying to open people's eyes to reading the labels because guys, you don't need sugar in your salsa. So I always tell people this, it is not about completely vilifying sugar. Have your cookie. If you want it, have your cake and eat it too. But save your sugar for where it counts. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to blow all my sugar intake on salsa because it doesn't need it. I would rather save that sugar for a cookie or a piece of cake or something where I can actually really enjoy it. So that's another big one to look out for. They put it in everything now. Um, trying to think of another example. Thoughts on thoughts on like gums, like xanthan gum and guar gum and all of those. Cause those are in some healthier products that I I use that one. That one's complicated. It's really complicated. And I, I try to take kind of a balanced approach to all of this. And it's similar to what I was just saying with sugar. 
if you're eating a ton of them, they do, they have been shown in studies to cause a lot of GI upset. So if you are taking stock of everything that you're eating, you, the listener, and there's a lot of gums in your food and you deal with a lot of like bloating, digestive issues, I would start looking into how many gums you're eating a day because they are in the non-dairy milks. You find them in yogurts, you find them in the non-dairy cheeses. Like they are everywhere now. Um, I'm not as concerned about them if you're only getting them in like your non-dairy milk or something, but people do need to be aware of that. There's this trend that I'm seeing on like Instagram and TikTok right now of people eating a meal and then showing how bloated they get. And I'm like, and they're like, this is normal. This is not to shame anyone. But my first thought is your gut is so inflamed. And are you eating a ton of gums or are you eating inflammatory oils? Are you eating gluten that may actually not be doing well with your body? Yeah. And so this is just, again, another reminder to take stock of everything that you might be eating that, that could be contributing to the bloating, the digestive issues, the constipation, the diarrhea. If you're dealing with any of that, I would take stock of these additives and fillers that are in your food. Totally. And, and that's one way that reading labels can be so helpful because then you're aware of, you may decide, okay, I'm still going to buy this product that has the sugar in the salsa, but then I'm also going to be aware of like, oh, wait, so those crackers I just bought have sugar too. And that protein bar I got has 10 grams of sugar. See that awareness I think is so key. And then you may prioritize, okay, like you said earlier, where do I really want the sugar, you know, I maybe don't need it in those crackers. Like I'd rather save it for something else. So it brings that awareness that I think is so empowering. And then you do start to connect. Oh, wow. I cut back the sugar. I cut back the gums and I'm feeling so much better. Yeah. That's and that's point. motivating. Yeah. yeah. And then what about, what about your thoughts on all the like meat and cheese alternatives? Because you know, there are a lot of people that are plant-based, um, or like me, I choose not to eat most dairy because it doesn't make me feel good. Um, so I do do a lot of dairy alternatives because I love cheese. Um, but I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on some of those meat and dairy alternatives. And if you have some that you think are better than others. Yeah. Okay. So I will say, which ones do I want to tackle first? Um, I eat a lot of non-dairy cheese as well because regular cheese just doesn't really do well with my body. Um, the only brand to be honest that I've found that is really super clean and I'm okay with their ingredients is, um, Yoko's. Yeah. They make amazing products. There's a lot of garbage out there. I'm sorry, but it's true. Like the Daya, um, I'm trying to think of other brands, follow your heart, even like, it's just a lot of processed stuff like that. Actually, this is literally real time applying what I said earlier in the podcast go to the grocery store and look at the back of that, like diet cheese. You can't buy all those ingredients in the grocery store. Like, no. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of those in general, unless if it's Miyoko's, I'm, I'm trying to think there's gotta be other brands, but to be honest, that's the only one that I've found. There's some non-dairy stuff that I love that I find in LA, like the farmer's market, but I don't know any other like national brands. Yeah. What are your um, thoughts on, have you tried BioLife? Okay. I have, and I actually really do love the taste of that. The ingredients are not the worst, but it's yeah. kind of like I treat, I very much treat my diet in general is kind of the like 80, 20, but I don't literally go by that. Does that make sense? Like I really totally. try not to box myself in, but I do kind of like, yeah, I'll buy it from time to time, but I am aware that it's like not the healthiest choice that I could be making, but you could also be buying a way worse cheese. 
and it tastes really good. It melts. And I just, I mean, I if you're making pizza or something, it really is the best one I can find for that. Um, although Miyoko's did just come out with liquid mozzarella. That um, so is so bomb. Uh, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of Miyoko's, but I do have BioLife as well because when comparing ingredients labels, it's what you're saying. That was the one other than Miyoko's is better, but it, when comparing labels between like the Diaz and the follow your heart, I was like, okay, well, at least this has, you know, ingredients that I recognize it has coconut oil. It's got a shorter ingredients list, um, than a lot of those other ones. So I think, yeah, you've got to have grace with yourself and you have to just say, all right, you know what, I'm going to get this. And instead of putting this cheese, this quote unquote cheese on like another processed food item, I'm going to put it on a whole food item. So yes. Yeah. Finding balance in that way. Okay. So let's get to the meats. Okay. I feel very strongly about this and I'm probably going to upset some people, but I just, I believe in being honest with people. Plant-based meat is terrible for you. Like just eat real food. And the irony of these plant-based meats just is that they're, they're selling this to the public as if it's better for the environment. And what people don't understand is that the ingredients in these plant-based meats are contributing to exactly what is causing the climate change and the, all the environmental issues that we're seeing right now. And let me explain that a little bit. Part of what is contributing to climate change right now, not even part of, it is a, a massive part of what we're dealing with right now. Um, so there's a lot of extra carbon in the atmosphere, right? The reason that there is excess carbon in the atmosphere is because we are tilling our land right now and it's completely destroying the top soil. So the top layer of the soil. And what people don't understand is that the soil health is everything. So if your soil health is not healthy, you're not gonna get healthy vegetables because all of the nutrients are stripped out of it. And how are we killing the top soil? By tilling the land and then also spraying it to death with pesticides and herbicides. All of that soil contains microorganisms and bacteria that are vital to the health of the soil. Just like we have bacteria and microorganisms in our gut, the soil has its own microbiome. And when we're spraying it with pesticides and herbicides, we are completely killing that microbiome. So we are killing the soil, leaving it devoid of any nutrients. So then our vegetables are not getting as much nutrients to them. And then where the carbon comes into play, because we don't have that healthy top soil, it's not bringing carbon back out of the atmosphere. Carbon is food for plants. Mm -hmm. And the reason that there's so much excess carbon in the atmosphere is because instead of allowing what happens naturally in nature, which is carbon goes back into the soil to feed the plants, we're killing the topsoil, we're tilling the soil and the land. And so we're actually allowing more carbon into the atmosphere. And we're doing this with monocrop agriculture right now, which is the corn, the wheat, the soy, where what they do is they completely strip the land of any diversity, they kill everything on the entire land. And that includes all the animals, the snakes, the ground critters, the bugs, um, the bugs that are being killed by the pesticides are food for the birds. And so now the birds are, are having a massive food shortage as well. And then on top of that, all of these pesticides that we're using are killing the bees. So ironically, by doing all of this, we are contributing to a lot more animal deaths and we are killing our health because when you don't have all that biodiversity and you just have rows and rows of corn and just rows and rows of soy, it's similar to like, if I were to tell you, you just can only eat kale for the rest of your life, then you're not going to have any sort of other biodiversity to build up your good microbiome in these fields. All they're growing is corn or all they're growing is soy. 
So there is no ex extra nutrients for the soil. And if, if you look at those ingredients in these plant-based burgers, all it is, is inflammatory oils, which is what I named earlier. So it's canola, sunflower, and then it's highly processed uh, proteins that are made either from corn, soy, wheat, and now pea protein. I don't know too much about pea agriculture, <laughs> pea agriculture, I'm so <laughs> immature. Um, but, um, so I can't speak to that, but I can speak to the, all of these other monocrops. And so the irony of people buying plant-based meats, thinking that it's better for the environment, it's, it, it makes me so mad. I actually have an entire podcast about this specific topic. If people want to listen to it with ah. Diana Rogers, uh, Diana Rogers of the, or it's just sustainable dish on Instagram. I highly recommend following her. She talks all about this. And another thing that I want to put on people's radars is regenerative farming. So this act that I was just talking about of helping to sequester the carbon out of the atmosphere and back into the soil, the way that we do that is through something called regenerative farming and regenerative farming is what is going to help us get out of this climate crisis. It is basically taking us back to nature and working with nature instead of against nature in a, a more sustainable farming situation where the animals are there to push the seeds down in with their hooves. Um, and we're not tilling the land. We're not spraying with all the pesticides. And by doing this, it's bringing the carbon, like they're able to pull the carbon back into that, out of the atmosphere, back into the soil. So I encourage people, if you can, whenever possible, buy meat from regenerative farms or buy anything. Like you can also buy crops from regenerative farms. Anytime you see regener regenerative on a label, support that company if you can, because they are really, they're actually making a difference in climate change. Wow. And this is why we need you because this stuff is a lot. It's a lot to yeah. absorb. It's a lot to, for people with busy schedules. I mean, who's going to be doing this research on their own all the time. So I think that's why what you do, one of the reasons why what you do is so important and we need more of you because we don't have the time to do all of this research on our own. We need someone else who is also advocating for us. And then we're educating ourselves through following you. And then we can apply um, what you're telling us, knowing that you're a trusted resource. I think that's a big part of it is try finding these trusted resources, whether they're experts, um, whether it's a podcast, whether it is um, a brand. That's one thing I love is like, okay, you know that if you buy Miyoko's, then pretty much everything by Miyoko's is going to be great. Um, or you know that if you go with Siete Foods, all of their ingredients are going to use avocado oil. And so I think it's, you know, it's finding these trusted um, brands and people so that we can go there and know that we can trust what we're, what we're learning and, and then apply it. So thank you for the work that you do. It's incredible. And like your knowledge is amazing. Um, I've already learned thank so much you. from you. And so I know that we're, we're a little bit, we're running lower on time, but I do want to, I know that you're passionate about one other a lot of other foods, but one other thing I want to touch on is oat milk really quick, because I know that this is very hot right now. It's being touted as like a very healthy alternative for dairy milks. And I know that you have other opinions as do I. So can you touch on that real quick? And then we'll go into your supplement because I want everyone to learn about that. Yeah. So you're hard pressed to find an oat milk on the shelves that doesn't have sunflower or canola oil in it. So I know one of the, the biggest, can I name brands? Mm -hmm. 
So Oatly, um, they actually use something called rapeseed oil, which is just canola oil. Canola oil comes from the rapeseed, a genetically modified rapeseed. So that's number one, you have inflammatory oils and what happens. So think about when someone's going to the coffee shop and most people get their coffee heated. So they're getting the, the milk heated. What happens when you heat up that those oils, they actually, uh, turn into an inflammatory substance. So it's called something called polar. I always forget how to pronounce this polymerize. And this actually causes advanced glycation and it actually ages you. So basically what I'm trying to say is when you heat up these certain oils, they make, it makes them extra inflammatory. And then on top of that, you add in sugar and it's just going to amplify that. A lot of these oat milks have sugar in them. So that's the first thing. The other thing about oats is what I talked about earlier, glyphosate. Glyphosate is a known probable carcinogen and we are spraying oats very heavily with glyphosate. All of your favorite oat brands have been tested like Quaker oats. People can look this up. I believe it was a consumer report that did this. They tested all of these massive foods like Cheerios, Quaker oats, and they found very high levels of glyphosate in there. So unless if you are buying organic oats, so unless if you're buying organic oat milk, you are drinking glyphosate with your oats. The majority of the oat milks on the shelves are not organic. So that's another thing. So then we're just kind of peeling back the onions here because there's yeah. a lot of layers to it. Okay. So then a lot of people ask me, well, what if I buy organic oats and I make it at home with water and salt? You can do that. However, oats are very carbohydrate heavy. I'm not here to vilify carbohydrates. We need carbohydrates. They're a great source of glucose and energy for the body. However, you do want to be mindful of your carbohydrate intake, especially when there's no fiber involved. And especially a lot of people do not understand or realize the amount of sugar and carbohydrates that they are consuming on a day-to-day -day basis. So again, it's all about awareness for me. Like I said earlier with a cookie, I like to save my carbohydrates for ways that I can actually enjoy it. I don't want to be drinking liquid sugar. I don't want to be drinking liquid carbohydrates, which is what you're doing with oat milk. So I like to do coconut milk, almond milk. Um, sometimes I will do a little bit of, um, raw half and half or like organic pasteurized half and half. That's pretty rare though. Cause dairy is pretty inflammatory for me. But again, like basically if you're drinking these carbohydrates, you're drinking liquid sugar. And so you can choose to do that. There are some oat milks on the market that if, you know, I tell people if you have nut allergies or if you are, you just like, you will love oat milk so much. Great. Make sure you're buying organic unsweetened where they don't add extra sugar. And then what I would do to counteract the, the carbohydrates that are in the oat milk, add a little bit of fat. So add a little bit of like MCT oil, maybe a little bit of butter, if you're okay with that to your coffee. And that will at least help mitigate some of that. But otherwise, like you're looking at a increase in insulin and then it's going to cause a spike or it's going to cause a spike and then it's going to cause a crash. And then you're just going to crave more sugar. And then you're kind of on this roller coaster track of craving sugar all day. So I prefer not to have oat milk because of all of that. Boom. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, yeah. And also usually when you're having oat milk, it's probably going to be in the morning with your coffee. And so then that sets you up for the blood sugar roller coaster that happens throughout the entire rest of the day. So it becomes this ripple effect. And so, yeah, I'm all about starting with some fats some protein, um, fiber, yeah. if you can, some vegetables and, you know, a carb that's going to keep you fuller for longer. So, exactly. yeah, but again, we're all about balance. If you love that oat milk, take her tips and just think about how you can be more mindful about bringing it into your rituals and routine, um, milk, M-A-L-K, they have an oat milk, right? Yeah. You feel like that would be a, a good one if you're going to choose one on the shelf. 
Yeah. But well, I can't remember if they add sugar to that. There's another brand called three trees that makes an oat and it's like oat nut and seed milk. That's a really good one. And there's another brand that Malibu did write milk? me. No, not Malibu. Cause the Malibu milk, I think is flax milk. They have a flax and an oat and it's unsweetened. Oh. Okay. I didn't even know that. Okay, great. Yeah. If it's organic, there is another brand that wrote me. It starts with a W Willie's Wiley's or something like that. I don't know. I wish I could remember because they did write me and they were like, ours is organic glyphosate free. They don't add sugar. And I was like, okay, if you're going to drink it, like, yeah, that yeah. would be a good one. But I can't remember the name right now. I can send it to you later. Okay, cool. Add it maybe the show notes. Yeah. And we'll add that podcast you were talking about to the show notes too. Um, all right, cool. So I'm so excited for you that you just launched a new supplement and well, your first supplement. So tell us where the idea for this came from and what it is and how people can find it. Amazing. Yeah. So it's a deep immune supplement. It is liposomal, which means it has greater bioavailability. Liposomal just means that the nutrients in the supplement are microscopically encased in a spherical like fat, like particle and that makes it more bioavailable to the cell. So it makes it easier to absorb is basically why, um, why you're seeing more liposomal supplements now because they're 15 times more effective than just capsules or gummies. So that's why I chose liposomal. I partnered with a company called two by four, which actually you are aware of and you love. Yeah. And I love what they're doing. Every one of their supplements that I have ever taken are so effective. Like you actually really feel the difference when you take them. They're amazing. Yeah. And I, you know, just after everything we went through the last couple of years, immunity and immune health has been on everyone's radar more than ever. It's always been something that has been kind of passionate for me when I was working with Tovlo. Um, that was one of the things that I always did with the band was make sure everyone was super healthy. So I was always giving them, um, vitamins and herbs and all this different stuff that I knew that would boost your immune system because we were traveling so much. We were getting inundated with, you know, we didn't, we were, had lack of sleep and we were in airports all the time and just getting exposed to all this stuff. And so it's always been a passion of mine to help protect people's immune systems. And so when I had this opportunity to make the supplement with this company, I was like, I really want to do an immune one. I've wanted to do a whole line, but I wanted to start with immune and look, our immune systems are amazing, but sometimes they're run down because we're stressed or we're tired and it needs a little bit of extra boost. And so can I talk about everything that's in it and why of it's in course. There? Okay. So it has vitamin D, which is the sun, sunshine vitamin. It's actually a hormone and it's known for modulating the immune response. And there's vitamin deficiency or vitamin D deficiency is associated with so many chronic diseases like autoimmunity, as well as increased susceptibility to infection. There's even studies that show that people who have lower, uh, lower levels of vitamin D don't do as well with COVID. It's also linked to cancer and heart disease. So vitamin D is vital to our immune system health. And so it has vitamin D3 in there. It also has zinc. And I think everyone knows about zinc. It has um, 50 years worth of evidence that's been accumulated to demonstrate the anti antiviral activity for zinc against a variety of different viruses and infections. Elderberry, which is super high in vitamin C. So we know vitamin C is really good for the immune system. It has chaga mushrooms, which are mushrooms that are known to support the immune system. They have something called beta glucans, which are naturally occurring carbohydrates that help boost your immune system, immune defense. And then quercetin, this is probably the star of the supplement that I'm so excited about. So quercetin is something called a zinc ionophor. And what it does is it pushes zinc through the cell wall, making the zinc more effective. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really cool. 
Um, Eleuthero root, which is known as Siberian ginseng, and that's known for strengthening the immune system. Um, it helps prevent cold and flu and helps minimize infections. And then astragalus root has been used in traditional Chinese medicine for a long time and helps support just your body's natural immune response to help, help fight off viruses, infections, various diseases. So I basically wanted to combine all these things together just to provide extra added immune support for anyone that feels like they're run down. They feel like they might be getting a cold or might have something coming down. Basically all this does is give your body that extra defense in order to have a healthier outcome to whatever, whatever you might be getting exposed to. Oh, it sounds incredible. I cannot wait to buy it because that's something that's actually lacking on my shelf. Surprisingly is like a solid immunity supplement, because I think it's hard to find. It really is with the right ingredients and one that is bioavailable. So super excited. And yes, two by four is honestly one of the best brands that I've found. We recommend it through our family business, your hormone balance. And, you know, they really, the supplements really do work. So that is incredible that you were able to partner with them. Is it something that you recommend people take, you know, year round every single day in the morning? Yeah, it's great because it has all of those, um, everything that I just listed that's in there is safe for every single day use, especially things like vitamin D and zinc. A lot of people are, like I said, deficient in them. And then things like chaga, mushrooms, eleuthero root, all of these things are things that you can take on a daily basis that just help to build your body's natural defense. So yeah. And then I would say if someone is actually feeling like they're coming down with something, I, this is for me, I'm not giving medical advice, but I like double down on it because I know that my body needs extra. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times what we do, I'm guilty of this too, is like, don't take this stuff. And then as soon as we're sick, we're like, oh gosh, I got to go get the elderberry and the vitamin C and the D. And like, you're taking it all and just hoping it's going to help and you're going to feel okay. But the idea is that you do it year round so that you build up those defenses so that when that cold comes along, that flu comes along, you can fight it off. You have that army of defenses so that you're not, you know, being run down for 10 days or catching every cold and flu that comes along because you definitely don't need to. Exactly. Exactly. And there really is something to be said about if you are feeling run down and stressed out, um, you are more susceptible to getting sick, but if you can get ahead of it, I, you guys, you guys, I'm talking like I'm talking to my friends right now. I feel like well, I, I love that. Yeah, you are. Um, I saw this for four years. I literally witnessed this with Tove. Like I said, we were traveling. I mean, we were getting up at all hours of the morning to catch flights. We would have flights every other day. Sometimes we were living out of our suitcase, flying all over the world. I mean, we were traveling nonstop. And anytime someone in our camp would start feeling like they were getting sick, I would immediately throw like everything I just listed off to them. Like, okay, we're gonna get you X, Y, and Z, and I'm gonna give you this and that and that. And 90% of the time they like barely got sick. I will never forget. There was a flu that one person got in the band and everyone started kind of feeling run down and they were like, Oh, this was like three or four years ago. And everyone was so nervous. They were going to get it. And I was on it. I was like, everyone take this. It was like, I was a nurse, like making everyone line up every day. Like, okay, take your zinc, take your vitamin D, whatever. And no one else got it. You should send it to them and be like, Hey, remember when I was giving you guys all that stuff and you felt amazing. Now I made a product that you can take. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to. That's such a cool full circle moment. Um, well, I'm really happy for you. And how can people find the supplement? Yeah. So go to two by four. It's literally the number two X four nutrition. 
Um, I think just Google real defense. Cause I don't know what the actual landing page is. It's on pre-sale right now. So just type in real defense two by four nutrition and you'll find it. Yeah. And I do want to make another point that you may have phases in your life where you're just crazy busy and it's, you can't let go of anything and you're just in a really busy season of your life. And there's these little things that you can do these enhancements, these little, you know, I may be eating on the road every single day. I may be stressed, you know, I may be not getting those home cooked meals or getting in my workouts, but I'm going to bring with me, you know, my two by four supplement by Courtney. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to make sure that I'm getting my water in every day. And I'm going to make sure that I wake up early just to get some sunlight. These little things that we do for ourselves, it doesn't have to be complicated. So I love having those little sidekicks that you can bring with you that, you know, okay, if everything else feels a little bit crazy and out of control, I know that this is going to support me. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So to wrap up, I would love to know what are just a few of your non-negotiable daily rituals that keep you feeling balanced, even when life gets hectic. Love this. This is a question I ask on my podcast, all my guests. So this is like my favorite question. Okay. So non-negotiables for me, getting a walk-in every single day, no matter what, um, unless if something totally catastrophic happens, or I will say if it feels like for my mental health, it's better that I don't walk that day then I won't. But for the most part, non-negotiable, I have to go on a hike or a walk every single day. Um, I live, I'm very grateful to live in LA and I have hikes right down the street from me. I can also go to the beach. So I will walk the beach with my dog or make sure that I go on some sort of hike. Um, it doesn't even have to be that crazy, but I usually do like an hour a day. Yeah. Um, and I kind of cross off a bunch of boxes there because another non-negotiable for me is getting sun because sun you get vitamin D from. And so I get vitamin D when I go on these walks. I also get bonding time with either friends or if I go alone with my dog, um, it's a special time for me and my dog. Also if friends and I haven't seen each other in a while, it's a great way to catch up. So we'll often hike together or I'll use it as a time, just, you know, meditative time for myself of being alone with my thoughts or use it to catch up on podcasts. So it really is like something that's just part of my everyday life. That's really important to me. Um, let's see another one sleep. This is a huge one. And this is something that I have only really started to master more recently because of my hectic schedule with traveling and touring for so long, my sleep was all over the place because it was basically like I could get sleep whenever, you know, whenever I could, it was 2am sometimes, sometimes 7pm, like literally whenever you could. Um, so getting a good night's sleep, uh, water is another one for me. Um, And then I would say eating real food. That's really important to me. Um, Diet is something that is incredibly, extremely important to me as I have talked about in this entire episode. So just making sure that I take time to really nourish my body and to nourish myself with foods that I love. I don't, I will not force down foods that I hate. Every single thing that I eat, I love. Like I'm eating it because I like it. I went through a phase in my twenties when I was forcing down things just because I thought that it was healthy for me. And, you know, choking down these like chalky plant-based smoothies and whatever it was. And I just, no more. If I don't like it, I'm not eating it. So like it's tastes good and it's good for you. So I would say those are, those are my non-negotiables. Yeah. Yes. I can relate to so many of those. I'm a walking girl every single day. And the same things that you said there, it's just, it's incredible. It's, I mean, it's, I'm not a huge fan of multitasking, but that is a way that you can multitask in the most beautiful hormone, full body supportive way. 
So yes, I love those and, um, just eating what you eating, what you enjoy and remembering that being healthy and nurturing your body, it doesn't have to be this fight all the time. It can, it can flow and you can truly find a way of living and eating that you look forward to and that you're excited to get up out of bed in the morning for. And that sounds like that's what you've cultivated, you know, after many years of education, research, getting in tune with your body, it sounds like you really look forward to getting out of bed and nourishing your body in all the ways that you just mentioned. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So how can people keep in touch with you? Anything you want to share? This is the time. You know, I feel like we went over everything that I wanted to cover. I mean, I guess maybe I just want to reiterate that, um, be kind and compassionate with yourself. Cause I know healing journeys and health journeys look different for everyone. Try not to compare your journey to someone else's journey online. I think a lot of people do this. You have no idea what someone went through to get to the place that they're in. And everything that I've talked about in this podcast today is a culmination of the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to make all the health changes and, um, new routines and habits that you want to do overnight. It's taking baby steps. And I try to, I try to reiterate because I know a lot of this can be really overwhelming. Don't feel like you have to do everything all at once. Maybe pick one habit a month that you're going to tackle, you know, tackle your sleep one month and the next month be like, okay, I'm going to start tackling, um, reducing sugar in my diet or, or whatever it is. That way you can make it a little bit more manageable because you want this to be something that you incorporate into your everyday life, because these are lifestyle changes you want to make, not just something like a quick fix that you're going to do for two weeks and then fall off the wagon. Cause this is your life and you deserve to feel the best in your body. So treat it with compassion and know that, um, it's not going to happen overnight and that's okay. And when you listen to, for example, someone like me or you and talk about all this, it sounds like, oh, we have it all figured out. And you know, how do we do it all? We don't. And it's also, this this is a culmination of me trying literally everything under the sun for the last 15 years. And I still don't have it figured out. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's an everyday day-to-day process. And, um, so just be compassionate with yourself because I, I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of shame around food and health and it's hard to break all of that. And so I I like to remind people to be kind to yourself on this journey. That's so refreshing. That's so real, relatable. And I'm just so grateful to you for making the time today. Um, If people want to follow you, it's Real Foodology. And then your website is also realfoodology.com. Perfect. Thank thank you, you, love. This has been amazing. Well, I don't know about you, but that was one just jam-packed with really awesome, tangible takeaways. And I hope that you felt the same way and that you're feeling really empowered to make choices that serve and support your body and to start reading labels and just have fun with it because it really is exciting. And I personally was just blown away by what she said about making the I think it was like the quarter pounder from McDonald's, like making it for cheaper with organic ingredients. Like that is something that was just mind blowing to me. And also something that I want to try on my own now, um, and making burgers 
can be so fun. You can put load them up with like avocado and grilled onions and sun dried tomatoes or whatever your heart desires. But now I'm thinking about burgers. So I'm going to let you go. Enjoy your night. And remember to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Share your favorite episodes or takeaways on Instagram and tag us at Solo 2.0 Podcast. And as always, remember that even if nothing feels right today, you tuning into this podcast and opening your mind is enough. Change doesn't happen overnight. So be patient and kind with yourself. And we promise good things will come. See you next time. Thank you.